Kristen is a business owner, wife and mum to two earthbound boys who are four and six and one beautiful angel baby boy who she delivered born sleeping on the 25th of March 2018. Kristen started her business Basic Organics after the birth of her eldest son and she is passionate about providing her customers with gentle, effective and organic skincare for their families. You can find the links to her website and her social media in the show notes her business name is basic organics b-a-s-i-k organics and let's bring Kristen in welcome Kristen. thank you so lovely to have you here um before we dive into your story uh we normally start off and ask our guests what they're up to at the moment so would you like to share a little bit about where you're up to, what things are happening in your life at the moment? Yeah, sure. So I am uh, a mum to two little boys here on earth. Um, I have a six-year-old Tom and a four-year-old Josh and we are on school holidays at the moment so it's a little bit hectic life um, but it's nice to have some rest time at home and spend some good family time together. My husband's a teacher so he's at on holidays as well so we get to have some nice family time together win-win <laughs> yes exactly I get some help <laughs> that's right which is nice so not having to juggle it all on your own yes so that's helpful yeah um, yeah and we just had the footy but your team didn't win mm, the yeah, grand final <laughs> sorry I know obviously you know my boys are very upset about it so <laughs> Um, and yeah, and you also lost your beautiful puppy. Yes, it has been a shitty year. It's not even bad. It's shit. You can, you can be very it honest is. with us. It's okay. It we, we, we've got an explicit thing on here. So swear words are allowed to okay, happen cool. if you want to. <laughs> so just let's sort of let that out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah tell us a little really bit. Hard. Yeah. Well, Ollie was our first baby and he was nearly nine, I think, um, and he, we found out a few months ago that he had cancer. So, yeah, it was a pretty quick turn. He was from getting diagnosed to dying. He was, it was like a month. So mm-hmm. it was sad, but we were really grateful to have that month with him too, mm-hmm. to give him lots of cuddles and stuff. So yeah. it's been a really shit year. It's just been one thing after another. I'm really looking forward to the year being over and 2019 yes. is going to be a whole lot better. Yes, I know. There's a lot yeah. of us in that boat, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> so, yes, very happy to see the end of 2018. But um, in a sense, I'm... The only thing that I'm very grateful is having these beautiful people in the room that I've connected with, Absolutely. so which is feeling really, really nice. And I know you feel the same. Yeah, so. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so there has been, you know, there has been some nice positives from it. So yeah, we'd always change it, but <laughs> you know, there, it's you know there has been those beautiful positives that do Absolutely. come out of it. So yeah, the one positive for 2018. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. For future self. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so um, would you like to tell us a little bit about Nicholas? Before we get into his story, let's just have a little chat on his name. Does he have a meaning about his name, Mm. why Nicholas came about? So So we found out that we were having another boy, our third boy, when we were around 12-week mark. Um, just after our scan, we had our NIPT testing done. So we were 
100% sure that that was another little boy. I'm made to make boys apparently. Um, and we kind of knew straight away. We thought, well, hang on, we've used our two favourite boy names already. Um, but we were drawn to Nicholas for some reason. We loved it. We love our other boys' names because we like the shortened version as well as the long version. So Thomas being Tom and Joshua being Josh. Um, we loved that Nicholas would be Nick as well. Um, we kind of didn't really settle on his middle name for a few weeks, um, but I was drawn to his middle name being Craig, who was my eldest brother, who um, my mum and dad lost when he was two months old to SIDS. Um, and that was a very long time ago. So Craig would have been about 52, I think, if he was still here. Um, and looking back now, there was some sort of sign as to why Nicholas was meant to have Craig's middle name. But at the time, obviously, we didn't know that there was anything wrong with him. So um, when he was born, it was like it was meant to be in a way because he was up there with his uncle looking after him. Yeah. So it was special. <laughs> yeah. It was hard. It was emotional, um, especially my mum when we told her that um, that was his middle name. Um, that was really emotional for her too, but it was it was really, really special and I'm mm. so glad that that was his middle name. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's really beautiful and so special. I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> like we haven't Don't even, start already. I know, I know. We've <laughs> only just started. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's just because for me, like, it, you know, I did the same thing, like, but it was my mum's name for yep. Axel's middle name. So it was just like that whole interconnection and things. It yeah. just feels so... Yeah, it's just bizarre, but it's just so beautiful and, yeah, yep. like once you really have a name and a connection with your baby, um, even that early on, which I think is so beautiful, like even if it is, you know, you have that, you know, you have that gender disappointment, yep. you know, it, it's a thing and it's real and, yep. you know, in, you can look back and you can regret it, which we all do because um, we just do anything for a healthy baby, but um you know, I think, you know, in, in those moments still like once you kind of come out on the other side and having that really beautiful connection with them straight away, I think is really, really special. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that we knew, like I've mentioned to you before, I'm glad that we knew that he was a boy and we had that bonding time with him as Nicholas because yeah. with our other two boys, we hadn't found out mm -hmm. what they were. And obviously that was a very different scenario um, that we found out at their healthy live birth. Um, so to have that bonding time with him and talk to him mm. as Nicholas was really special. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I don't know, was it, was it me that maybe first brought up the name, asked you if you had named him? Probably. Yeah. Cause I know that obviously like Lacey did that with me and it just sort yeah. of really shocked you. Like it was somebody's yeah. outside of, the couple, yep. the parents have actually asked the name and you're like, hang on, okay, there's yeah. so much to this. And you're like, oh, I can say yeah. their name because they and we need did... to be honoured. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know if we would share his name um, with everybody. Mm. Uh, we, if, if things hadn't gone the way that they did, we wouldn't have. Mm. Um, that would have been our thing that we were told ourselves yeah. um but when we knew we were losing him we wanted to tell people because we didn't want his passing 
to be all about, oh, what was his name? Oh, it was Nicholas. We wanted it to be, we, we knew it was Nicholas and now Nicholas is gone. Yeah. So it wasn't just about, oh, you're having a boy and, oh, that's his name. Mm. Um, we wanted the focus to be on that was Nicholas, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's beautiful. Like it's such an honour to Nicholas and his, you know, his story yeah. and everybody around him, the memory that they can hold of him I think is really special. So you yep. did him a very beautiful honour. Thank you. I really love how you've allowed your family and friends to honour the time that he spent with you by drawing attention to that. I think that that's um, a really beautiful way to do it and maybe if our listeners wonder how they can do that for their family and friends, I think that that's a really um, excellent way to place language around yeah. your baby's life and dr bring the attention back to celebrating the time that you spend with them and then also honouring their passing as well. Yeah. So that's yeah. Because really it's really beautiful. it's he's confronting to um to come out and say that baby's name when when you were going you knew that you were going to lose them, that it was a very different scenario. But I think Sarah probably was one of the first people because Sarah and I connected in the very early days. Sarah was one of the first people that I'd reached out to because I had we had crossed paths through Instagram. Um a few years ago now but seeing her story of Axel I knew I had to immediately I had to reach out to her because I knew she got what I was going through and I needed that desperately I needed someone to understand what I was going through um so when she asked what his name was I think she was probably one of the first people that we'd told and it was like initially I was a bit like held it back and I was like oh you know, didn't want to kind of say, but once I said it, that helped with that grieving process too because I was verbalising his name and it was making him, even though that was confronting, it was making it that he was our baby boy and his name was Nicholas. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Having him a person, I think, you know, validating him and his life and who he is rather than um, you know, because everything, especially in the hospitals, is so clinical and they're just talking about your baby like this fetus and this thing yep. and another number. And and I think then outside of that, um, being able to talk about your baby as your baby and their name and I just think it's just um, it's just so beautiful and it just gives you so much time with them whilst – they are still alive, I think. You know, yep. it's, it's just that beautiful bonding and feeling okay to do that too. Yeah. So it's that that first initial kind of like it's a shock, but then you're like, this is okay. I'm I can actually talk and speak his name with other people whilst yep. he's still sort of amongst us, which yeah. I, think, I think is quite beautiful and very special. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, would we like to start from the start and would you like to tell us a little bit about finding out that you're pregnant with Nicholas? Yeah, sure. So um, Nicholas was my third pregnancy, which I think I'd already um, mentioned. We're very, very blessed to be quite fertile. We fell pregnant very quickly with him. Um, it was our second month of trying. So when I got my first positive pregnancy test, I was kind of expecting it to happen quickly because it happened quickly with my other boys but I was still in shock at the fact I was going to have three children <laughs> um he was very planned but I was like wow 
three kids. Didn't kind of know that I would ever get to this place, but I love being a mum. So um, I was super excited. And then to share it with Simon, my husband, he was really, really excited as well. So um, we decided to um, keep it a little bit hush-hush from our two boys. Um, so at the time of finding out they were um, five and three. So we just wanted to kind of make sure that everything was okay in the early days, I suppose. We wanted to make sure that we'd pass that first um, kind of milestone of everything, you know, that magic 12-week mark, which kind of seems a bit crazy now thinking about it, that you think everything's okay after you hit that 12-week mark and then you see it's not all the time. Um, but when we shared it with our boys at that 12-week mark, it was the best thing ever. And we recorded it. And I haven't been able to watch it back. It's really hard to see. And the moment it came on the screen, it was so funny because I was screaming. And I said, I don't know. So, yeah, but we, we recorded it. And <laughs> so, well, yeah, obviously I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they, they knew all along. They knew, I think they did know all along. Yeah. I think they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for and they're so in tune so much. I Like I know like even just with Arthur, like it's like I swear he knew before I was even pregnant because he'd just be like, hello, Baba. Yeah. Like, I think they're talking to me and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, and just like, I do. Just some of the things you like. Sense they have, I think, because oh, Josh, incredible. my youngest, is like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he said mm. that to me. You've got a baby in your tummy, mm. and I was like, No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Well, I do, but he didn't know about it at yeah. the time. So yeah, yeah it's weird. I, yeah, I swear Arthur knew before me. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, normally that's the dogs that do that. To yeah, me. Well, and my dog so, did do that. Yeah, so, so I like he would yeah. he would sleep mm. next to my bed mm. every night for my pregnancy. Mm. He was he knew. Yeah. yeah, isn't it amazing? That's amazing. Like, yeah, just I think it just it just shows you how much like as adults we kind of just there's so much that we kind of um, distance ourselves from and being in tune with so much. And I think it's not until we, you know, sometimes go through these things that we kind of really shift into our bodies more and actually are so in tune and really listen to our inner intuition so much and going, no, I'm, I'm right. I do feel this. It's, it's pretty incredible. It is. Yeah. It's like that lost part that we kind of have to regain and, be nice to just not have lost it at all yeah. but yeah yeah it's it, it's pretty special just watching them I think it is yeah. it's really cool mm. yeah so let's uh come back to your pregnancy with Nicholas how mm. was how was your health were you well how yeah was so um my first two pregnancies all three of my pregnancies were very different even though I had boys I'm no longer a believer in this whole you carry differently if you've got a boy or a girl. I carried so differently in my first two pregnancies and having only kind of gotten halfway through my pregnancy with Nicholas, it was hard to kind of tell how I was going to carry. But, um, you know, cravings were different, all of that kind of thing. 
I have to actually say that, well, first of all, um, after I'd had Josh, who's now four, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when he was three months old. Um, and I also have thyroid disease, so which I was diagnosed with when I was 20. So I had a lot of concerns. I've kind of managed my health um, over the last four years and, and have gotten into a better place through changing a lot of diet and lifestyle changes. Um, but I was nervous. I was nervous because my, my pregnancy with Josh had triggered my RA um, and that's why I was diagnosed when, when he was three months old. And I was in a lot of pain back then. I, I found it hard to pick him up. Um, it was it was a really testing time, especially going from a mum of one to mum of two. Um, so I was nervous as well. When I found out that I was pregnant with Nicholas, there was that part of me thinking, well, I, I can't take anything. I can't take any anti-inflammatories. I can't do anything because you can't take anything when you're pregnant. So I was nervous about how my body would handle this pregnancy, um, being a little bit older as well. So when I fell pregnant with him, I was 36. Um, I'm now 37. So even though, you know, I don't feel that old, I'm apparently geriatric now. So, you know, I'm really old. Um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of, I, even though I was over the moon, I had a lot of worries about it, but I have to say my pregnancy up until that 22, nearly 22 week mark was really good. I was absolutely exhausted in that first trimester as I am always I, I find the tiredness the worst even more than the nausea um I was so exhausted for that first 12 weeks I would hop into bed every afternoon and have a nap and I don't know what my kids were thinking lazy mum was doing laying in bed every day but it was the only way I could cope um and, but after I got over that I like my hips that had been bad in previous pregnancies were good um my overall health was good my arthritis was good um so I'd had this really lovely pregnancy and a pregnancy that had met was meant to be my last pregnancy we had always thought two maybe three children when we'd set our hearts on two Nicholas was going to be our last pregnancy or on three sorry Nicholas was going to be our last pregnancy um and it was a really lovely pregnancy because it was there was yeah it, I, I just enjoyed it I enjoyed it I wasn't in any pain and um I felt him kick from 11 weeks so um, I was really, really lucky to have that time of feeling him move. Um, I had the same with Josh. I felt him move at 11 weeks and some people might boohoo that, but it definitely, I felt baby kicks and that was baby kicks and um, they just got stronger and stronger as the days went on. So I had a good, you know, nearly 11 weeks of feeling him move constantly, which was so lovely because it was really reassuring and it was really special to feel this baby inside of me again. You know, I didn't know if I was going to have that again um, after having Josh. So it was beautiful. Yeah. It's very beautiful. And, you know, um, it's, it's so nice. Like, you know, as you said, sort of people might not think it's a thing from your 11 weeks, but it's nice to be so in tune and actually feeling mm. those like, you know, and people will, will also like probably say, yep, hand up and yeah. it happened with them as well. Um, cause I know for me, like 
God, I didn't even feel anything this time around, like barely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it was another thing that flags so many issues with me um, and not to make this about me, but, you know, and it's also because the placenta was at the front yeah. and all those sorts of things. And it's like, there's so many things to it that people don't really realize um, you yep. know, with, with pregnancy and the kicks and things like that. So yeah, the more you can interconnect with your baby whilst you have your baby, you know, it's so, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you got to your 11 weeks and you felt him kicking and you told the boys at 12 weeks. Um, so after your 12 weeks and you had, um, you had done the NIPT Mm -hmm. You found that all the things were all good from the NAPT. Yep. Same as me, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah found so. out. I mean, that was nerve-wracking. It's the first time yeah. we've done the NIPT. Mm, same. Um, Tom, I don't think it was around. Josh, it was mm. around, but it was not a you common had to be thing. older. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think it was like $2,000 or something back then oh, to have done. It was a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think being a bit older and – you know, I, I talked to my doctor about it and we decided, you know, we wanted to find out if mm. there was a problem. We wanted to know about mm. it. Um, so everything came back clear. We found out that he was a boy. Mm. I had my teary because I wasn't yeah. having that girl. <laughs> and in hindsight, it's ridiculous because yeah, all I want is true my to boy. Your feeling, but it was true to how it I was, felt at yeah. the time. And yeah. obviously, you know, if I was to have another pregnancy one day, it would not matter at all yeah. to me because you know, I, I just wanted that healthy ba baby. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, at the time I had my little teary and then I got over it and then I had that bonding time with my little boy, my third little boy. Yeah. Um, but everything came back so fine and it was such a relief. And I remember getting the results and then we told the boys after we got the results and then we, we had an announcement. And so I um I had my, my business page on Instagram and I decided that I wanted to share my pregnancy announcement. I'd never done a pregnancy announcement before, yeah. um, but I wanted to share that with all my followers and I did. So yeah. I decided to, yeah, announce it mm -hmm. and then it was out there. Yep. I know. It, it is that scary sort of leap and especially when you it is more of, you know, it's not you, it's not a personal um, page it's yep. it's your business yep. which is which is very big to sort of then um, involve your customers in a mm. sense into your life yep. um, you know and a lot of people these days do find that that is that is the best thing to do but it is also very scary to sort of yeah. allow that um, in a sense vulnerable side to yeah. you um, even though it was you know it's a beautiful time it's an exciting announcement and all those sorts of things, but there is, you know, a lot that people don't sort of get if it if they just have a personal yeah. page and things like that. So with social media, don't yeah. we love it and don't we hate oh, it? No. <laughs> and it is, it's a constant, you know, sharing my story on my social media has really been a constant pulling to and fro for me because it is a business page. I, I don't know how much I should share. I had shared my announcement. There was never really any hesitation though. There wasn't now in hindsight, but I got to 12 weeks. I was fine. We were pregnant. It was happy days. So it was putting it out there. So happy. 
I had made a lot of connections like Sarah through Instagram in the past. Um, you know, I had a lot of customers. There were long-term customers. Mm-hmm. I had um, brand ambassadors. So I've made a lot of friends through Instagram that I've connected with. So I wanted to announce it through there. But, um, you know, that also meant that I had to share my story that I was no longer pregnant, mm. um, which was really hard and something I didn't know if I wanted to share. But people knew that I was pregnant. Yeah. So that's, that's the side of it, isn't it? Yeah. I had to tell them that I wasn't anymore. Yeah. And so did you have a scan at 12 weeks Mm. as well? Yeah. So I had a scan at eight weeks, Mm -hmm. um, a dating scan, which I've had with all the kids. Um, and then I had my 12 week scan, um, and my 12 week scan was with a specialist. Uh, apparently since that's happened, I've found out that she's one of the best in Victoria and if anything was going to be picked up she would have picked it up so that's kind of reassuring that nothing could have been changed by that 12-week scan Um, and yeah so we had the 12-week scan we had the NIPT we kind of ticked boxes of everything that was available to us Mm -hmm. and then it was just a waiting game of waiting till we got to have our anatomy scan at 20 weeks. Yeah. So, you know, in that time of, um, you know, waiting between that 12 weeks and 20 weeks, everything was great. My belly was growing. Um, You know, I was looking obviously pregnant, which is nice, as we all know. You don't just look like you put on a few kilos. You know, there's a baby there. Um, And I told all the mums at kinder and at school and... um, Everybody knew that we were pregnant. So, yeah, we got to that 20-week mark and um, that's where everything kind of changed. So, yeah. Something that um, keeps coming up for us, uh, I think because most of the people we've interviewed so far have um, been quite prominent on social media, is making the decision to announce your pregnancy on social media can um, bring up lots of different things. But when you're in the innocence of a beautiful phase in pregnancy, you don't ever consider that untelling people is going to be a factor that you have to consider. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I remember being – I must have been around the – 16 to 18 week mark maybe when I found when I came across Sarah's story um and I remember being in shock because I hadn't really you know I'd had my mother that had lost a baby I'd had my sister had had a stillborn at 18 weeks as well um but that was many years ago that was 20 something years ago 21 22 years ago or so I think um I hadn't really come across anything in terms of a late term loss like that stillborn or anything like that in in terms of my circle of friends or anything so I remember coming across Sarah's story and just being like wow and thinking my god how lucky I am I really remember thinking clearly that and that's that's really hard to think back because I remember thinking you know feeling so bad for what she was going through but thinking I'm so lucky and and I just couldn't believe it, you know, that that my story became very similar to Sarah's. 
in the end. Yeah. No, no, I remember us discussing that and you just thought, and you were like, oh, I'm really lucky. I thought I was really lucky. And yeah, it just, it, it, I think when you first reached out to me and I think I had to read your message like, I don't know, like 10 times because yeah. I just, it broke me. I was just like, no, this can't be happening to someone else. This mm. cannot be happening. Just This is only something that happens to me and that's it. No one else goes through this, but there's there are so many people. Oh, and but I think once you've gone through it, it's crazy, isn't it? Because you find so many people yeah. go through this. Yeah. It's crazy. Because nobody just, you know, and it's interesting, like, you know, you just said um, that you're like, I didn't know anybody, like, you know, mm. other than your mum and that and it's because nobody wants to it's you feel feel ashamed and you don't want to tell people and it's all of a sudden it's like your burden to carry yeah. all by yourself and you know and i think once people do kind of pop up you say something and then they might not have said anything ever or at least public publicly and all of a sudden they're dming you yeah. And all these people, like, all of a sudden they've never told anybody. Yeah. And they're telling you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's huge. So, yep. um, you know, I think, and that's, I mean, why we're all here anyway. And because it's so important to share and have people understand that this, it's not that it's normal because this is not normal. Um, but, you know, it happens. Yeah. And it is really shit. <laughs> but, you know, it, but there are so many factors about it that are, in a sense, normal. The grief is normal. Um, and being able to talk about it should be freaking normal. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that for me that, I mean, talking with you, talking about it with people that have contacted me through my social media, talking about it with anyone that's reached out coming here today, that's natural to me. Like I, I am a talker. And I'm a sharer and yeah. <laughs> don't we know, um, my, everyone I know knows yeah. how much of a talker I am. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I couldn't not share. It was my, my, this is my story. This is Nicholas's story. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, which is beautiful and you do him such an honour. Um, he's just a special boy. Thank he's you. He's your boy. Um and just to jump back into your 20-week scan with Nicholas. Mm -hmm. And obviously we know that did not go very well. No. Um, so if you want to sort of tell mm. us a little bit more about that. And yeah. Just how the vibe was in the room, how were the doctors, yep. you know, and, you know, maybe with, where, how were they, especially in the fact of whether you felt supported or not yep. um, in that in that moment because I know that you went through a bit of hell with the hospitals as well. So Yeah, it's been an yeah. interesting time, yeah. that's for sure. So um, we had our 20-week scan. I think I was 20 weeks and a day, I think. Um, we decided to take the boys into our scan with us. In hindsight, I wish we had not have, but... We're not for a second did I think in my mind that it wasn't going to be anything but joy and let's go and see your baby brother and how exciting. And um, so we went in for our scan in the morning. I've even got photos of the boys in the waiting room and how exciting. And, and we went in and there was concern early at my 12-week scan that my cervix was slightly shorter than it should be, but 
I've never had that problem before. And she wasn't overly concerned at all. So I remember being in the scan and almost immediately the sonographer, I'm assuming that that's what she was because everything, bear with me because there's a lot of blurry kind of moments on that day. Um, But she looked, in hindsight, looking back now, she had a look of concern pretty much straight away. Um, But I didn't think anything of it. And I was like, oh, is everything okay with my cervix? And should we measure that? And she was, you know, when did you have your 12-week scan? And who did you have it with? And do we have those results? And she kept kind of going on about that. And I was thinking, this is odd. Yeah, I had my scan. Um, It's all good. And, you know, she basically looked for a little while. She said that she needed to go and have a look and get a second opinion on something. There was a little part of me that went, mm, I've had this happen before when I was pregnant with Josh at our 20-week scan. They thought he could have had a heart issue and they left the room and we had the same thing. Someone come in, they said, oh, we need you to come back in a few days' time to have another scan with a specialist. So that was a hell of a wait um, while we waited to get results from that. Um, but everything was okay. He was fine. So um, I just thought that's fine. Sometimes they do that. They get someone else to come in for another opinion. Um, and it didn't take long. So it was obviously very obvious what was wrong with him. Um, and she just turned around and said, oh, I think maybe the boys might want to, you might want to, the boys to leave the room for a little bit. We need to have a chat. And the minute she said it, I just knew something was really wrong. And, um, and so she, um, went out and asked the receptionist if the boys could come and sit with her. Sorry. And, um. And this is kind of a part that will always play in my mind is that she sat on the bed next to me and she put her hand on my knee and she said, darling, your baby's got spina bifida. And I was in shock and initially I was like, what does that mean? What's spina bifida? And I'm trying to rack my brain and I was like, is that where they don't walk? Is that, I was thinking it was kind of like cerebral palsy. Um... And I was like, is he going to die? What's going to happen? 50 million questions going on. But I was shaking. Simon was sitting next to me just in shock. And she said, I think we need, you need to go and speak with a genetic counsellor. Um, they're outside. You can go in and speak with them now. Um, can someone come and pick the boys up? And it was such a blur. And I remember having to walk out of that room and go into my boys and be, oh, hi, darling, what are you doing? And my God, women are amazing because it was just you suck it up and you get on with it because you don't let your boys know that there is something wrong right now. And I pulled my shit together and I went out there and um, I just said to the mom, I mean, daddy have to stay at the hospital for a bit longer. Um, I'm going to see if nanny can come and pick you up. So they were fine and they were happy and Simon and I were taken into another room and I made the phone call to my mum and I lost it on the phone and she freaked out and asked me what was wrong and I told her that Nicholas had spina bifida. At this point we hadn't told anybody his name but I said the baby's got spina bifida. Um, You need to come and get the boys. And she was just in shock and hung up and called my elder sister to drive her because she couldn't 
drive. She was beside herself. Um, and they got to the hospital and I just remember running out to the waiting room where the boys weren't and probably heavily pregnant women all around me and I was bawling my eyes out and I just hugged mum, hugged my sister and it brought back a lot of memories for my sister because she had had a similar thing obviously at around, I think she was about 18 weeks um, with her little boy um, so it brought back a lot of memories for her. Um, and so I basically mum took the boys and we went in to speak to the genetic counsellor. Um, at this point, the doctor, the specialist who had come in to tell us his diagnosis was lovely. I cannot remember her name for the life of me, but she ha- hugged me. She told me that she had a son with disabilities, that I need to take my time and think about my decision. Don't be pressured into any decision from anybody Um, just sit back and, you know, I'll be okay. And she was lovely. She was like a very much kind of a mother figure. Um, But that was the only thing I ever had to do with her. Um, And then we went in to speak to the genetic counsellors and there was three people sitting there. Um, And basically they just went over the diagnosis again. Um, I asked probably about 50 questions over and over again, I wanted to know if he was going to die, if he was going to walk, if he was going to be able to um, breathe properly, if he was ever going to be able to have children of his own, uh, how long his lifespan would be. Like I just asked everything. Simon sat next to me in dead silence, in shock. And, and that, you know, that was how he was dealing with it and that was totally okay because my defence mechanism was to just go into kind of I need to know. I've always been the type of person that has been needed to know about everything and I like to be informed and so I asked all those questions and then the question that really shocked me came and it was, so I take it by all your questions, you're not thinking about terminating. And I just remember thinking, no way. How could you ask me about that? This is my my child. There's no way I'm terminating this pregnancy. I just want to know what life is going to be like for us with this high-needs child. And we then spoke to an obstetrician who really didn't give us any further assistance or guidance. And I think she knew we were very overwhelmed and had been given a whole lot of information in a very short span of time and she advised that we go home, talk and then speak to them tomorrow and just have a think about everything that's going on. So Simon and I drove to a park nearby um, and we sat outside in disbelief and just thinking how the hell is this happening to us Um, and then We started conversations about what life would be like, what this would mean for us, but it probably wasn't until the next day that we really had some really hard conversations. I went home and I did a lot of research. I looked up stories about children with spina bifida. Um, I wanted to know, that was another thing, I really wanted to know why this had happened, like everybody that has something that goes wrong with their child. And... um, the lady had the the doctor had told me um, asked me if I'd been on um, 
folic acid. So um, spina bifida is a type of neural tube defect. Um, it is one of the more common neural tube defects. However, it's not a common thing that happens these days. Um, taking folic acid um, in the lead up to your pregnancy and, and in the first trimester can lessen your chances of having a child with spina bifida or with a neural tube defect. Um, but I had indeed been on um, folic acid. So I really couldn't understand why this was happening because I've taken the folic acid, so surely he's okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I had researched about that. I'd researched um, about other other children that were born with spina bifida, what it was like. Um, it is a very, like most things that can go wrong with with. Uh, birth defects that can happen um spina bifida there is such a spectrum of um different levels uh some some people can have spina bifida that's never really diagnosed um nicholas's was uh, one of the most severe forms um he basically spina bifida is um something that occurs in the embryo on going into the fetus stage around that three to four week mark when the spine is forming and the spine doesn't form properly so um, there is an opening basically in the back somewhere along the spine the higher up on the spine that that opening happens the worse that the um it can be it's the same with any kind of um spine damage that happens to anyone that um you know the higher up it is the more limbs that it affects and the more parts of the body that it affects um nicholas's was kind of in the middle um but his was a little bit special and rare in that um majority of people they see with spina bifida have a membrane like a bubble type thing that covers their back the opening um nicholas didn't have that so it's probably one of the reasons why it wasn't picked up at the 12 week scan as well is that they would have been looking for something that wasn't there and at 12 weeks the spine isn't fully formed yet either so it's something that could have been picked up at 16 weeks but we don't have a, a you know routine 16 week scan so um it was unfortunately picked up at 20 weeks um and yeah basically um his being open and not having that membrane left the uh, possibilities of what his outcome would be really up in the air because it could have been a whole lot worse than what they thought it could be because his spine was already being affected it was already open to all the um amniotic fluid and everything um his brain had also already been affected so his um he had something called arnold chiari malformation i think it's called um yeah and he uh, basically it's where the cerebellum the back part of the brain has already started to sink down with the with the pulling of the spinal cord so that part of things would have meant he um could have issues breathing swallowing eating um the spina bifida itself the opening can mean issues obviously the mobility really wasn't an issue you know to have a child in a wheelchair is horrible and it is a challenge they will have to overcome but it is not a deal breaker for us it wasn't um you know that's something we could get around but it was all the other things that were, were a result of the spina bifida so um bowel bladder issues incontinence 
Um, he may have never been able to have his own children. Um, you know, you're talking about teaching a five-year-old how to catheterize himself because he couldn't wee. Um, you know, there were so many things like that. There's also the brain that's affected with the eating and swallowing, but there's also it can cause other brain issues like depression and, you know, all those other um, uh, – it can cause, you know, a child to be um, – have learning issues. Um, it, the list was just, you know, endless. And after taking some time researching exactly what were the possibilities, um, we really started, Simon and I, a really difficult conversation. And um, while not continuing the pregnancy was something that never entered my mind at, this, at the beginning, um, the thought of my child's suffering was just really, really hard to deal with. And, you know, he would have needed operation after operation from, you know, within the first 48 hours of birth, they need the opening in the back to be closed up. Um, and because of the issues with the brain sinking, there would have been a fluid build up on the brain probably, and he would have had a shunt inserted to his brain, you know, yeah, I could go on. Um, so we started that conversation and thank goodness we both were on the same page is all like really, I thank God for that because, you know, we both loved him endlessly and we both wanted him so very much. But when we thought about the first thing we thought of was him, he was our first priority what would be affected for him? What would life be like for him? Under that came, well, we have two other children. They will probably lose me. They will have me as a full-time carer for their brother. Um, my health, you know, how, how am I going to deal if one day my arthritis is really bad? How am I going to be a full-time carer for a child and an adult? You know, there were lots of things, but the first on that list was Nicholas and Thinking about him suffering was too much for us to bear. And so, you know, we both had that conversation that we decided that we couldn't bring him into the world to suffer. And um, so we made an appointment to go back to the hospital and we just spoke to the genetic counsellor. Um, and I needed to find out what the next steps were if we were going to take this route. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we just basically, that was that was the first part of, I suppose, our world changing forever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's massive. Like, even just being dealt the news is just, it's world shattering Mm. um it's just it's something that unless you're in that situation which you never want anybody to be in that situation um it's unexplainable because you're in so much shock and getting thrown um a million things at you and you only have I always say like you've only I reckon you got like that five percent of your capability of retaining or even understanding any information that's getting thrown at you and you know they're giving you this sort of they're sitting there giving you 
you know, what do you want to do? And you're like, what do you mean? What do, what yeah. do I want to, what? Like, I mean, to tell you that like, on the day you yeah. find out, yeah, I think was pretty crazy. Yeah. And it, maybe for some people, mm, maybe that, that, that yeah. they would make this decision on the spot. But yeah. I was kind of like, yeah. It's Hold up. Long, like an yeah. hour ago, mm. I was coming in to see my baby mm-hmm. that I was going to have in my arms in mm. another yeah. 20 weeks' yeah, time. that's right. And halfway through, I'm re- you know, I'm just waiting yeah. to see this healthy baby and, you know, I'm ready to take on the next 20-odd weeks. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's full on. And especially after you've had two healthy children and, you know, it's just, it's just shattering. And yep. there's no... There's no words to describe how how you feel in those moments, and once again, unless you've been through it, um, yeah, it's it's just it's something else. It is definitely. It is like you're living in a nightmare. Yep. Because you can say it's like a dream. It's not a bloody dream. No, it's It's a nightmare. nightmare. You live in a nightmare, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just you wake up the next day and you're just like. I just want this to be a bad, like not even a bad dream. I just want this nightmare to be over. I want to wake up. And yep. that was just something that I dreamt of yep. <laughs> and it's not real. And I'm still going to be pregnant with a healthy baby and I'm going for my scan today, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just, um, yeah, it's so full on, Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just when things go wrong, people just, yeah, have no idea. Like what it's like, it's full on, um, you know, when you want this baby so much, um, yeah, yeah, pretty hard, very heartbreaking. And not to mention life keeps moving, even though you're stuck in this bubble, stuck Mm. in this whirlwind of other things and also learning brand new terms that you've Mm. never heard before, learning brand new possibilities your your mind is so overloaded and then on top of that you still have your children to look yeah. after meals that's to cook. the thing I had to get out of bed I have to get out of bed I have to function I have to go up to school but in saying that I for, for the two weeks kind of in between finding out that there was something wrong and actually having Nicholas I avoided school. I avoided life as much as I could. Mm. At home I was mum and I was up and I was cooking and I was doing all that, but I could not face people up at the school who knew I was having a scan and when I knew that we were having to face this really difficult decision. Mm. And I had a couple of really in tune friends that messaged me and go, was something wrong? Mm. I haven't heard from you. What's What's happened? So my close friends we shared straight away obviously you know I being me very open I um you know I shared with my friends I shared with all my family um and no matter what you know my family said they were going to support us no matter what decision Mm -hmm. but I I knew at the same time what they wanted us to do Mm -hmm. and they 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 knew how hard it was going to be for us Everybody would feel the same no matter what. Like, you know, it's it's one of those situations once you're in it, um, you know, the compassion comes to your child, as you said, first and foremost, because you yep. love that baby so much and you just, you never want them to be in any pain or any suffering. Um, and then, yeah, to think about your other children. And I know for me, like, you know, Arthur was a massive factor in our, yeah. you know, this horrible, in quote, decision. Yeah. Um, 
you know, because it's, you know, th- their lives matter too. Absolutely. You know? And you can't, you know, and, and even to this day, sometimes I have to just sit back and remind Tim, I'm like, you know, you know, if Tim's getting a bit of a lazy day, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, you remember there's a reason why, you know, when I'm like, get out of, <laughs> get yeah. out of the house, go do something so I can just sit down and I can have a yeah. moment. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty life changing. Um, but I was going to say, and cause we're not going to talk about any particular, like, you know, doctors or hospital names and things like that, but yep. you'd had your, you know, um, Tom and Josh at the hospital you were at up mm-hmm. until these 20 weeks mm-hmm. and you were then advised after you went back in to tell them the next steps that you wanted, that you guys had, yep. you know, come together and in a sense agreement on. And I wish people could see my eyes rolling whilst we're talking mm. about all this stuff, but I'm sure everyone understands. Um, do you want to talk us through that next step mm. that they decided to yeah. lead you down? Yeah. So I had no idea that when I was to go back in and tell them the decision we had made that being a Catholic hospital, this kind of birth is not accepted. Mm-hmm. Even though, mind you, the genetic counsellor said they have so many people that go through exactly the same thing and make exactly the same decision as me every day and that she agreed that we were making the right decision for us. Mm-hmm. might not be the right decision for everybody, but it was mm-hmm. the right decision for us. And, you know, she agreed that it was ridiculous that we could not have our third child at the same hospital mm-hmm. that my other two children were born. Mm-hmm. And that really hurt because it added insult to injury. It was, you know, there was something to be ashamed of And I already felt guilt and I already felt shame and I already felt like this was not, you know, the decision that I wanted to make for my child. But now you're going to make me go to a different hospital because, I, you know, it's not right. It's not accepted. Yeah, it's not accepted. So we were basically then handed over to another genetic counsellor who works at both that hospital and a different hospital. And, um, yeah, and from there it was basically just sorting out what dates would be happening and what the process was and all of that, um, which in itself was very confronting for me because I had had two previous C-sections. With Tom, I had a ridiculously long 32-hour labour um, and he went into fetal distress. Um, I ended up needing to be rushed in and having emergency C-section within about 10 minutes. I didn't even get to say goodbye to Simon. Um, and he came out not breathing and he had to be intubated and it was a very traumatic birth. But in saying that, I remember stupidly maybe saying the next day oh my god I want to have another baby I can't wait to do this all again because I had this beautiful perfect baby at the end of it but in hindsight looking back in the years following his birth it was very traumatic um but I had him and that was the important part 
Um, and then my next um, pregnancy with Josh, I really wanted that natural birth that I didn't get with Tom. And I was adamant I was going to have my V back. And I fought hard for it, even though the hospital were really not approving of it. Going through the public system, I didn't have my own obstetrician. Um, I remember at times my obstetrician saying to me, what if I told you you could be booked in for a C-section next week? Now, this is a heavily pregnant, uncomfortably pregnant woman. I was huge in my second pregnancy. Um, I had a nearly 10-pound baby in the end. So I was like, get this baby out. But I was still like not encouraging of having that V-back that I really wanted. But I stuck to my guns. I stuck to my guns till 41 weeks and I... He was not stretching sweeps, nothing out, like nothing was working to get him out. He was very high and I just went, get it, get him out, get him out, whatever. Um, my recovery from my C-sections, both of them were, were really good. So I was not really afraid of that. I've always recovered really well. Um, but anyway, Josh came out. So here I, here I was longing for this birth I never thought I was going to have. And I asked the genetic counsellor what in, induction would we, or what would happen. I never knew, and most people don't, when you have a 20-plus week baby or I don't know how many weeks it is, you're, not, you're, you're looking at a birth. You're looking at labouring and giving birth. And I thought I'd never be faced with that. And I thought I was going to have a C-section. Book me in for that C-section, you know, this is horrible, but been there, done that, you know. And when they told me that I would have to birth him naturally, it was so confronting to me because I was getting that birth I'd always dreamed of and I was not getting a baby at the end of it. And I broke down when she told me that and it was really, really hard. Um, obviously... Their concern is the mother. They don't con not concerned about the baby. So the safest way of delivery in this situation was to deliver vaginally. Um, so, but because I had had two previous C sections, I um, needed to be induced very, very slowly to avoid rupture of my C section scars or rupture of my uterus. Um, so. Yeah, I, I was ba basically from, from that point um, I, at the hospital, I um, was told about what the process would be, um, what the recovery would be, will my work milk come in, all these, can I hold my baby, you know, all these questions that I had I asked, um, but then I was handed over to a different hospital um, and I never actually met the person, the genetic counsellor from that other hospital. I just spoke to her on the phone. Um, so, yeah, that that was that was fine. I'd kind of answer, asked all the questions that I wanted to ask, but timing was a really tricky thing for us because um, our scan, uh, that 20-week scan, was about a week and a half before my eldest Tom's birthday and I did not want to be in labour, going through what I knew I was about to go through on my other son's birthday. 
because it wouldn't be that just that year. It was every year then. Um, speaking to a, a friend that's a midwife, she had advised me in this type of situation, especially because I would be induced slowly because of my C-sections, that I should really consider delaying the induction um, because it could take days. They told me it could, it could take days for labour to even start. So we ended up delaying. Um, in the end, I went into hospital. I was 21 weeks and five days. So it was a week and four days after we'd had that initial scan. Um, it was the day after Tom's birthday. So I had to put my mum hat on and go to his birthday party and smile and entertain the, the kids and make sure everyone was fed and looked after and talk to the other parents knowing full well what I was about to go through the next day. So, um, but I got through that and, um, and then the next day we, we made the venture into hospital, which was really, really hard. So, um, we, we got into hospital, um, it was Simon and I, um, and, um, I should rewind and say that, um, when you're having, a medical termination and I say it with a bit of a huffy voice because I really hate calling it that. I was not terminating my child because I did not want him. I was, the way I like to, to talk about it is I like to say I was inducing labour mm. because he was not well. I wasn't terminating my child. I think it's the most horrible word mm. and it, it needs to be changed because it puts that extra shame that we already have and that extra, you know, sadness in what is going on. Um, but basically when you face something like this, um, you need to go into the hospital and have a tablet that starts to shut everything down. So I took a tablet um, and then the two days after that I had gone in to start the proper induction. Um the way that they induce you is that they um, they give you a tablet that starts to start contractions. Um, I thought that it could go on for days, like they said, because I was on something like a quarter dose or something because of my C-sections. Um, but in fact, I started my first contractions about an hour and a half or so after I had the first tablet. So in a way, it was a relief. It was very confronting that it was actually happening. There was no way back and it was really, really hard. And that first day that I went in to take the initial tablet to shut down your hormones and stuff, I just remember signing. It was like my signing my life away signing that bit of paper and taking that tablet and swallowing that tablet was so hard and you know you just it's like no going back after that and I remember thinking in that 24 or 48 hours waiting in between going having that tablet and going in to be induced feeling him kick constantly and then he wouldn't kick and I'd be like oh my god he stopped kicking and I don't know why I was thinking like that because I knew what was ahead but I, it was upsetting. It was upsetting because I was scared that he was dying inside of me and it was just really confronting. Um, so my contractions started and um, they were very consistent um, and regular. And um, I had some painkillers because 
I needed those painkillers and the emotional side was hard enough for me to deal with. Um, and it was a very intense labor. I have to say, like from my first labor, it was, it was like, I mean, you've said that to me before, Sarah, like it's, you know, it's a normal labor, you labor and you contract and it hurts. Um, and we got to the pushing part and I'd never got to that before. So with Tom, I'd got to eight centimeters, um, but I'd never, you know, got to push. So I didn't know uh, what pushing was like. I didn't know how to push. I didn't know if I'd know when to push. They, when you have a, a labor like this, they don't, um, intervene at all. So there's no checks. There's no, how far dilated are you? You know, there's, they leave you and you just do it and you do it for as long as you need to do it. And, um, and it did get to the point where I went, oh yeah, I'm pushing. And any, any person that's pushed a baby out knows that cow noises. Yeah. I had those cow noises. Um, and so I, I pushed him out and I lost my shit. I'd held myself together all day during labor. Um, he was born at, uh, just before midnight. And we like to think that, I think it was four minutes to midnight. Um, I like to think that he wanted to be born the day after his big brother's birthday, which is obviously really hard because every year that's, that's his birthday. Yep. But you know, that was, that was him wanting to be here at four minutes to midnight. And, um, he came out and I was shitting myself. I was so scared to look at him. I was scared he was going to come out breathing. I was scared what he was going to look like. I was scared that he was going to be in pain. Um, but I was adamant that I wanted to hold him. That was a massive thing for me. I, he, if he is still alive, he is going to be on my chest and I'm going to hold him. And they wrapped a blanket around him and put him on my chest. And it was really hard. He, he was dying in my arms and, um, and I'll never forget it. Um, but I was so glad that I held him and he, all he felt was my love. Um, I just remember apologizing over and over to him and just telling him I'm sorry because I just felt like I, I, I worried I'd done the wrong thing. I thought, have I done the wrong thing? You know, and there was no going back. And in the, the weeks and months that have passed, I know that we did the right thing. But at that time, when you kind of have your child dying, it's inexplicable, you know. You just, the thoughts that come into your head is just, yeah, um, really hard. So... Um, I held him and we took so many photos of him and I wanted all of that so that I could never regret anything. That was a big thing. I never wanted to go, wow, I wish I had have taken photos of him. I wish I had have held him. I've heard stories of women that have lost their babies and that have not even wanted to look at their child and that saddens me mm -hmm. because they, they've missed out on that part of that grieving process. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's the most confrontational thing you will ever do in your life, but it helps you heal and 
you know, I could never look back and say, I wish I hadn't, I wish I had have done that because we did everything. I did everything that I wanted to do. So um, we took photos, the nurses, after we'd held him for a while, the nurses um, took him and dressed him. I had a shower. My physical recovery was amazing. I'd never had a natural birth. So to be able to stand up straight away and go and have a shower, it was crazy to me. Um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. But um, Simon held him. Um, we read books to him. We played music to him. Um, the nurses, I have to say that the hospital we ended up birthing him at, while I was very uh, worried about how it would be there, um, I hadn't heard amazing things about the hospital. They were amazing. The midwives were the most amazing women I've ever met. Um, they held me, they cried with me, they took pictures, whatever we needed of them, and they just left us. They left us for two days. We stayed in that room with him. Um, the day after he was born, um, also they, they, they were able to also bring a, a cold crib. So we were able to have him lay next to us, um, which was really hard because I'd had that before, but with live babies in that little crib next to you. And I remember being in hospital and waking up and feeding my baby and pulling them out of that crib. And there was no noise, there was nothing. And um, yeah, I, but I was able to hold him whenever I wanted. Um, we took his hand and his footprints. Um, we did all of that kind of thing. Um, and the day after he was born, we had made the decision to have our parents come in and meet him mm -hmm. and our boys. And having my boys come in was something that some people may not agree with. Um, but, and it was something I didn't think I'd ever do. Um, I wanted to shelter them from any kind of hurt or pain. Um, but it was encouraged by our beautiful funeral director mm -hmm. Um, and so we decided to do it and I'm so glad I did it because they were amazing. Children are amazing. They, there was not an inch of fear on their face. They were not concerned at all. They saw that little boy and they, you know, my, like my three-year-old at the time, Josh was, he, I thought he was a doll. He touched his nose and oh my God, it was like your heart melts but it breaks at the same yeah. time and you know they would they held him and we got photos and we had heartfelt photographers come in and take photos of all of us together and I have a family photo of the five of us you know I will always have that now and it's beautiful um if I hadn't done that I really think I would have regretted that um so, yeah, we, we, we basically introduced them to those kind of immediate family. We didn't have brothers and sisters or anything come in on Simon and my part. I've got a big family. It was all a bit too much. Um, but we spent the whole next day um, just us and Nick. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really lovely. But the hardest part of the whole thing by far was walking out of that labour room because they don't tell you that you go through this and it's the same with women going through any kind of stillbirth. Mm. You birth that baby in the birthing ward. You have babies crying in the room next to you. 
you have to walk out through that birthing ward and the room the room was right at the back of the birthing suite too so you walk right through and you hear babies and you hear women in labor mm -hmm. and you're walking out empty-handed and that by far i would have gone through the labor the pain everything 50 times over but walking out and not having that baby leaving that ward is by far the worst hardest thing i've ever done in my life it's horrible mm. you know you i was really lucky that our funeral director i had asked to come in and get nick from us so he didn't have to go to the morgue he, we because his his um diagnosis was very black and white um, we didn't end up doing an autopsy on him. So we were able to have her collect him from me um, and she walked through that birthing suite with me, holding my hand and she hugged me and then we went our separate ways and she took my little boy. But I knew that he was in good hands. Mm. She was looking after him. Yeah. <laughs> You know, mention her name, Libby, because she's amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's just the most incredible human, I think. Um, and to do what she does, anyway, as as any human, is is pretty incredible. But she is just she's a special soul. So she really is. We look forward to having her on the podcast. Oh, good. Yes, we are. Oh, my God. She's well, you can tell her how amazing I think she is <laughs> oh, because she really. She's going to hear this and she will know. Because <laughs> she um, really changed yeah. so much of my experience. Mm. And I'm so thankful that Sarah referred Libby on to me or me on to Libby. Mm. Um, yeah, she really changed my experience and, and treated him like he was uh, my baby. Mm. And he, he was, was precious. And I think Absolutely. that's so important to have those people around you that don't just see him and this is what we've spoken about just don't see your baby as a number as a fetus as cells yep. as as your baby and honoring your baby for you and knowing that however you feel right to honor that baby you can do it in any way and that's like I know that's the first thing she said to me she's like whatever you want to do you're it's we're only limited by what we want to do and I think yep. that's you know extremely special um and just a token of just the fact that like she's a very special human and the way she treats death is just um yeah pretty incredible and just the yeah. fact that she's there to you know able to guide people through um even you know before you'd gone in to yeah. labor and everything and telling you how you know what, you, what your options yeah. are are from that point in telling you you know it's okay for the boys to come in yeah. and you know I know that we had spoken about it because obviously Arthur had come into the room after to see yeah. Axel and stuff and it's something that I know that I'll never regret because I've I have had from you know our Tim's cousin his his wife um she just said she wanted to shelter her daughter from mm. the you know very similar situation yep. to what we had and you know, and she really regrets that. She yeah. regrets not being very open and allowing her in that experience. And because, you know, they go through it too. Yeah. They know what's going on. They're there with us throughout the pregnancy. So they also need to grieve because yep. it's their, their sibling that they've lost. Yep. And they have a very different way of doing it. But they need that, that allowance to be able to do it. And I think it's, um, you know, a token to the fact that how special and 
just how Josh was with him and yeah I know Arthur was the same he walked in he's like oh why is he not talking like yeah. <laughs> you know I you're mean, like out of babes mouths as they say that's right and he but he knew that he like before that he had died because yeah. I had said that to him the yep. night before um you know and it, I just I find it quite interesting that you know even then he's still like because I was like yeah but you know I've always said to him babies don't talk you yeah. know <laughs> regardless yeah. if they come out alive or, yeah. or dead um but yeah it, it's just you know it, that's his first reaction I like know. oh why is he not talking why is he sleeping <laughs> you're it's like beautiful oh. because it's very beautiful it puts yeah. a little bit of lightness in the situation yeah. too because they're yeah. so innocent they just mm say it how it is yeah and it's you know um but they're not scared like I was scared and I know our parents were very concerned that we were doing that that we were bringing our boys Mm. in I think they were really scared because Mm. they thought it was the well, it, what in their what day trauma it wasn't the right for them thing and to do. yeah because even then like in their day their babies would be wheeled away from yeah. them they would never see them absolutely so, you know it's um you know it, it's we know what's right for us as parents and then you know and now even just stepping into the fact that siblings really need that too yep because they need to understand you know i think this is what libby really speaks highly about is the fact that we can't sort of shelter them from death yeah it's it's a it's life it's a fact and um you know by being quite open about it and you know using the language of just being uh, rather than like you know they're just sleeping or they're just gone here and yeah um you know the appropriate actual words and language around it um so they they get it they do get it they do so yeah. I mean, you often, I often wonder what's going on in their little heads. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, well, we know. It's they're, they're, I know. They're special. They're very, they are. Yeah. But you know, you do, I mean, even yeah. I know when we told the boys about what was going to happen, we didn't know if we were going to tell them that Nicholas was dead mm. and he wasn't. So mm. I couldn't yeah. lie to them. Mm. So we ended up telling them, you know, that Nicholas was going to die because he was very unwell. Mm. So that gave them the opportunity to say goodbye to him and I felt like that was Nicholas got them to say goodbye. Like it yeah. felt like it was the right thing for everybody. Mm. I didn't want to cheat Nicholas out on anything either. I wanted his big brothers to meet him. Yeah. yeah. So, you That's know. That's right. Yeah, because it's the only one time and this is what people need to understand is there's that only moments. Yeah. You don't get a lifetime with them. Yep. So you have such a small window to create memories yep. and not just in honour of that baby but for your family, for your living children. It's so important to look back on. And I, I know that maybe the couple of things that I, I sort of regret is maybe not letting Arthur have held him. Um, the only one that held him other than me and Tim um, and the midwives was my mum no one else sort of yeah. kind of not I'm sure they would have if we had have passed him on but yeah. we didn't think to kind of do yeah. that and he kind of we just sort of sat and chatted as he sort of sat there in the cool cot and I don't know you don't know it, what you're is, doing you don't that know moment because you? you're in shock no. and you're still trying to process things and I think it took me four days yeah to break yeah like to break yeah and it was like that last day of seeing him, like, because obviously I had the whole morgue situation going on yep. <laughs> at the hospital and things because he was going to have an autopsy. But, you know, it was that final time of just like, and I just, oh, 
because mm. it, it's it was like bam the shock had worn off and yep. the reality sets in so yeah yeah full on you do what you need to yeah. do in that moment do you mm. don't yeah. you yeah that's right and I think it's just you know it, it's one of these things that we really um are quite quite very like we find it very important to share with people and one of the reasons why we share these stories is that you know not losing those moments make the most of them make those memories like yep. you know have the photos have the prints have the molds or whatever it is that you need to do to have because they're there and then they're gone yep so yeah. And you don't have to look at them. Like my th- right. my thinking was, <laughs> my thinking was, I'll take all the photos in the world, mm-hmm. and I can just put them away and never look at them if I don't ever want to look at them. And I remember walking out of that labour ward, and getting in the car and just flicking through my photos. Mm-hmm. And it's probably now six months. It's been it was last week, mm-hmm. um, but it's probably now that I am finding harder to look at. Mm. Now that the time has gone on, I find it really more confronting to look at him because I miss him. Yeah. You know, it's been so long. Mm. And someone once said something to me about, you know, the the longer the time goes on, the further apart from me you feel. Mm. So that's hard and that's mm. confronting mm. because, you know, there's no there's no postnatal thing going on anymore. Mm-hmm. This, this flabby tummy is just, you know. <laughs> I know. Just, well, that's that's the only good. reminder anyway. Well, that's but, a whole other story, yeah, isn't it? But, you know, that's still, another thing you have to deal with. That's right. You're, you know, there's, and that's the thing. Like not only do people not understand is that you have to birth the baby. Yep. Your body has to go through these things. So you also have postpartum recovery. Yep. Um, you know, and then... You know, and if you've got your friends that would normally pop around after you had your baby and you come home and they're making you a cup of tea and holding the baby and stuff yeah. and all of a sudden you're at home and you have no baby and you're all alone. Yeah. There's nobody just popping up. Yeah. To go, hey, can I make you a cup of tea? They just don't know what to do. Yeah. And... You know, and your your body's recovering, and you have all your hormones your that hormones. need to go and back you're waking to normal. through the night because you're yes. meant to be. Well, you're feeding. going through this trauma, but you're meant to be feeding yep. the baby, and you're bleeding. I mean, I bled for three weeks. Yeah, it was not mm-hmm. just a light period for me; mm-hmm. like it was like a normal. Yeah, because you know, it is. It, yeah, it's normal. Your body's recovering. You're bleeding. You have your um, your boobs are still in gorge yep. and. Whether regardless of whether you take the freaking tablet to yep. repress your milk or not, yep. and then you've still got like yeah your hormones that have to settle back into normality. You're waking because that's your body clock going. Hey, they're ready to feed a baby now, and yep. you're like, oh. it's just continual slaps in the, the face, face, isn't it? Yeah, after one after another, and it goes on for a long time. I think, yeah, it goes on with all the milestones that you face and and everything else. I'm just going to jump in here. I'm just absorbing all of this and learning new things. And um, wow. I wanted to ask a little bit about um, any rituals that you have to remember Nicholas by and um, to kind of round off your experience with Libby. I wasn't sure if you had a funeral Mm. for Nicholas. Yeah, so we decided um, 
to cremate Nicholas. Um, I, you know, it's something obviously you just don't ever think about whether you want to, whether you want your child to be buried or cremated. And Simon and I talked, and I just, I just couldn't think about burying him somewhere. I wanted him with us, and um, cremation for us just felt like the right thing. So. Um, we, Libby had organised to have him cremated and then um, we decided to do a little memorial on our own. Um, so rather than um, kind of working with Libby to, to organise a service, we just wanted something really low key, but something, but we wanted something. We wanted to remember him and we wanted to honour him. Um, so we had a lovely service out in a, a park near us um, and we just had family there. I had a couple of friends. Um, and I basically had organised everything that I wanted. I, I'd written a letter to him that I read out. I picked music. Um, so we played music. Simon read a book. Um, we let some balloons off. Um, we, we just did some really lovely things to, to give him a send off and for him to be recognised, I think, because it's not for everybody, but it was for us. So, um, yeah, and I, and I liked the way that we did it. It was beautiful. It was a really, really hard emotional day because it was like the end of it. It was like, a, what's, and it's not because we all know when we've lost children, it's not the end of it. But it's, it's the last chapter that you kind of face in that finding out something wrong, birthing, you know, having them taken away and going home and empty handed and then burying them or giving them a send off whatever you choose to do was that last step so um it was hard it was hard but um yeah I'm glad that we did it so and some of the rituals that we've created um or that I've really created um I in the early days I lit a candle every single night for him and um yeah I would if it made me feel like he was there um, it's not something I do every night still. I thought it would be, but life happens and I might be out or whatever. But whenever I'm having a moment thinking of him, I light a candle. But let's face it, we think about them all the time anyway. So um, one other beautiful thing that thanks to Sarah that I did is that Sarah had given me... Uh, so when Sarah and I touched base, we caught up in the middle of everything happening. So in the middle of my tornado hurricane like it was um you know I'd I'd found out there was something wrong and then we were we'd made our decision kind of but I had think we had and and I wanted to know from Sarah what, what's going to happen what does this mean what's it going to be like um so I'm so thankful I had her and she bought me this beautiful gift box of things and one of the lovely things in there was a little rose quartz crystal and rose quartz means everlasting love and it means love and um that was there's nothing more that you can um use to describe your bond with your baby is love um and she bought me two little crystals and i had one crystal that i had left with nicholas um for the two days we were in hospital one i had worn in my bra and then on the last day when we were leaving i swapped the crystals um and his i felt had my love in it um, and it went off with him to be cremated and mine 
he's that his is now with me and I have not gone a day without wearing it so I just wear it in my bra thank goodness for big boobs that hold it in <laughs> yeah I, I, I have the opposite <laughs> fallen out in yoga a couple of times so yeah well I was still there. I, I was worried I'm worried all the time that I'm just going to drop it yeah. somewhere I mean a few yeah. a couple of months after I lost Nicholas I was very lucky to go on a beautiful holiday of a lifetime with my mum and it was very special and it was very much a healing holiday. Um, but I was so worried I was going to lose that damn crystal overseas, but I didn't. And I thought, you know what, if I'm if I lose it, it's meant to be lost there and yeah. it's meant to be come across by someone else. But yeah. that that is probably one of my favourite rituals that I have. I feel like he's with me and I kiss it every time that I put it in my bra every day um, and I say goodnight to him every night and I talk to him. And they, they're my they're my main rituals. I think that I have. I've also used the, your beautiful cards, Megan, and they were a real savior in the early days, especially because I felt like it gave me some sort of positive thing that I an outlet that I could really focus on to try to help me heal. Um, so yeah, they're really special. Wow, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so beautiful to hear that they go out into the world and do the things that I intended for them and mm. and more. I never yeah. imagined that um, I'd be sitting here with you and hearing your incredible story and hearing that you used the cards. I did, I, and it's the funny thing is when I bought the cards as well, I think it was like it may have even been just before I went into hospital mm. when I bought them and – I ne like I'd never made that kind of connection mm. that you'd connect with Sarah and you know it's funny mm. it's just it's it's a very common world there's a lot of us that have gone through loss mm -hmm. but it's a small tight-knit world too mm. there's a lot of us that have connected that know each other now and and yeah. it's beautiful because we're there to support each other so yeah. it's really lovely and I think that was why it was so important to um when it just came about naming the podcast um, it was something that was just like going over and over and over different names and finally coming to it, it just, you know, coming together, rounding off the fact that there is a tribe. Absolutely. We've become a tribe and we're still mamas no yep. matter what. Yep. And, you know, to our babies that aren't here, you know, it, it rounds it up. And I think it's so beautiful and, you know, we're very... Once again, kind of, it, as I said, that was one of the positives from this year. Um, so, you know, it is beautiful and just being able to connect with each other and, you know, and then hearing your rituals and, you know, and it's, and that's one thing, like, I just hope that people, um, you know, find little things if they hear it and like, you know, it's just something that I've, you know, helped with, you know, with you yeah. to get a little ritual going, um, you know, and you know, and hopefully, if people pick up different little bits and pieces from other people's stories and rituals, I think it's so important. Yeah, so. it is because you don't know what to do in that situation, no, do you? Not and, at all. And so, when you'd kind of initiated some of those things, I would never have thought of mm. that. Um, you know, so it's really lovely, and I, you know, I love the the whole candle thing, mm. and um, and I've passed on those kind of things mm -hmm. i mean yeah. your beautiful cards i actually passed on to another friend that has gone through this same situation unfortunately since i've lost nicholas and she lost her little boy um about a nearly a month ago i think it's coming up to now mm -hmm. um and i pass those cards on to her and i think it's this lovely way mm -hmm. of 
sharing that support and sharing that love mm. for each other. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, and that's why it's so important for us to share and um, telling our stories because then people know that they're not alone and especially when they are faced with such devastating news, whether it's yeah. your baby's heart has stopped or whether your baby has this, you know, it, it, your baby is just not formed. You yep. know, there is there is this this devastation of your baby's not perfect mm. and your outlook on life is completely changed. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's so interconnecting and it's great for people to then find somewhere to go and understand that they're not alone. And that was my biggest thing I know um, is that I had nothing. I had nothing. I, you know, you try to Google stuff, you try to look at people's blogs, you try to look on Instagram, but everything is just so picture perfect oh, out no. in the world on the internet. And there's none of this stuff where you can kind of go and go, hey, this happened to me and this is my story and I hope I can help you because yep. I was alone and, you know, you just want to help someone. Yeah. So I think it's very important. So. Yep. We're very lucky to have you on oh, today. Thank you so for very honoured and sharing your beautiful Nicholas. Because mm. he is so very loved. He and not just by so you, but by oh, me. And you. you know, I was very honoured to be there with you. Yeah. Yep. I'm so thankful to have you. And I'm thankful that you asked me to be on this because it was really important to me. I want to be able to to give you know we spoke about it before to give women that courage to talk about your truth and this mm. is my truth and I didn't know if I would share my whole story yeah but it's my truth it's Nicholas's story it's my story mm. and and everything has come from love yeah you know there's there's no other way to put it yeah so I could not not tell our full story yeah. and I and I want other women to know that you know, it's okay you get to say scared that. of being judged. I'm, I'm yeah, still right. scared of being judged yes, every day. Aren't we all? Every uh, day. Yeah. Every day. But it's very hard. Your voice shakes and your mind races yep. and you don't want to, you're like, what do I say? And yeah, and it and it's hard because it's very confronting and you don't know how people are going to take it. And, you know, that judgment and that fear yep. um, is always there and it's, you know, it's something that we have to unfortunately deal with this this extra layer on yeah. top of loss you yeah. know and i know that anybody and we know there is no one person in the world who would think any differently and you know and then they know that it's out of love there yeah. is nothing you know other than that so because yeah. we would do anything to have our babies oh my god i would do anything to have my baby yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but like i like to say to people i feel like i've chosen to carry the pain so that he yep. never has to feel it yep. and yep. I always go back to that because mm. I carry pain every day but I would rather do it any day than him mm. to carry it that's right and that's and that's the important thing to note right everybody knows that it's your in quotes decision becomes your burden to carry forever and you know I'm the same too like it's just yep. you know you've taken on their pain yeah that you will always carry so yeah there's no one who could hear your story and not know how much love and dedication you have given to nicholas and carrying out his legacy 
by telling the story in the fullness and in offering that to the world as your story and your truth Mm. to help others. Everything about it is so selfless and full of love and you're so, so grateful that you were able to be here with us. Yes, I know. And hopefully, you know, we've got everything crossed for 2018. So it better be. I know, I know. Too many, too much sadness, too much pain this year. It's, you know, people say you go through stages in your life. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what they say, but it's, it's, you know, this is obviously this really shit stage in my life. I just Mm. want it to be over now. I just want a boring life, actually. (laughs) I just like, no, no, nothing amazing. Just just happy with boring. Yeah, boring (laughs) Because, you know, that means it doesn't come with the up highs because the uh, very extreme highs come with the very extreme lows. Absolutely. So, you know, maybe that balance of, you know, (laughs) boring is good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, this has been an absolutely amazing space to have shared with you in terms of connecting and hearing your story. And thank you so much for sharing it from the place that you have. I feel that people are just going to connect with this so much and uh, really feel the love that you have poured into telling your story and into Nicholas. So thank Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And obviously people know that on the show notes and also as we said at the beginning, you know, they can find you through your social medias and um, all that. So, you know, if there is somebody who really feels like, you know, you are quite connected with people um, within this space and you're open to talking Um, you know when people are going through this it's the same as me Um, you know if if this is you know sadly your journey um, you know there is um, that space to be able to just like shoot through a dm and yeah just please kind of go yeah, please i just me. need a bit of happy <laughs> to, to speak to people yeah you know i lo- i've connected with so many amazing women mm-hmm. and i if i can help anybody mm-hmm. um and and you think that oh, well my story is a bit like yours mm-hmm. and maybe we can connect yeah you know you know where to find me yeah yeah and that's the one thing that is quite beautiful about the lost community is actually you know everybody feels the pain um, of the empty arms and being able to connect and support each other is just, it, you just don't even second guess it. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a communi- community, if I can speak right, <laughs> it's a community that no one wants to be a part of, but it's amazing when you are, uh, you know, uh, yep. sadly, it is your, you know, the community you're upon. So, yep. yeah. Right, thank you. Thank you, ladies. Information provided on the Still Mama Tribe is for educational and informational purposes only. The information is not a substitute for professional advice or care. Please seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional in the event that something you learn here raises questions or concerns for your health. Also, if you require support regarding your loss, SANS Australia has a national support line 24 hours a day. The number is 1300 072 637. Also see our website for further resources and links for support.